Mm. Mm. Do you like insightful discussion about comic books? Mm. 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 How about movies? Mm. 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 How about television? Mm. Mm. Then listen to Thinking Outside the Long Box with Juan, John, and Gabe. Available now on iTunes, Stitcher, and your local computer. Hey guys, this is Enrica Jang with Red Stylo Media, and you are listening to Adrian King and Adrian Has Issues. guys welcome to adrian has issues as always i'm adrian and by the time this is recorded it is friday night and hurricane joaquin is pretty much rampaging up the east coast and everybody was worried that it was going to be another sandy but i think that my guest may have been the cause of it sorry my bad (laughs) i mean i don't even know where to start though all right let's see you're a writer performer martial artist your personal trainer you're you pretty much like run the entire gamut but she's got this really awesome fan film she's working on but i'm gonna have her talk more about it ladies and gentlemen my guest mike glick maya how's it going Hey, Adrian, thank you for having me. No problem. I felt so excited because I'm like, well, it's raining. We're talking about a movie called Rain, and I haven't told people exactly who the fan film's based on, but this couldn't be more appropriate weather for the occasion. <laughs> right. Yeah, I wish we had like an audiovisual and we could shoot the whole thing outside somehow. But yeah, this is a fan film about Aurora Monroe, or Storm of the X-Men. Been working on it for a... Re- ridiculously long time now but we're pretty close to it being finished and i'm getting excited i've been excited but it's it's like 90 percent done and it's it's pretty it's it's my baby so i'm i'm very excited about being able to share it soon i was checking uh prior to doing a show i was doing a little prep so i was looking at the kickstarter which i think your goal is about eight thousand, which you managed to raise about 12 for which congratulations that's fantastic actually we, that was the second kickstarter Oh, so there was even another one. We did, too. Yeah, we like I said, we've been working on this for a long time. It was actually about uh, two years, a little over two years ago that I wrote this story. And it was in November of 2013. Good Lord, yeah, that I did the first Kickstarter. So I wrote this story, and I had this idea. And, and just to kind of test the waters, my husband, Adam, is a photographer, and I had him... uh, take a photo of me in character just kind of out on the street in front of our house and I posted it to Facebook and people lost their minds over it so the version of of Storm that that I'm focused on is Punk Storm or Mohawk Storm and at the time this again this was two years ago it was before the the solo comic had come out before they brought the Mohawk back in the in the series and before anybody knew anything about X-Men Apocalypse and so you know, I knew that I wanted to see a more, you know, rock and roll kick-ass version of Storm, but, you know, I, I'm into stuff that a lot of people aren't into. But the way that people responded, um, 
I mean, there was a, a massive response, even I think from people that weren't necessarily comic book fans. They were like, I don't know what that is, but it's cool. And yes, I would watch a movie about it. Absolutely. I'm just going to go ahead and confess. I'm a huge X-Men fan. So once I found mm-hmm. out about your Twitter, I'm like, I need to have her on because this looks so cool. And <laughs> Punk Storm, I think, is my favorite iteration because she, at that point, if I'm not mistaken, she had no powers. She was powerless, She yes. was powerless, but yet still pretty much just, just commanded. Like, you know, she still ran shit, you know? <laughs> she was still running things. In fact, she was the leader of the X-Men at some point, even without powers, which... You know, one of the, there were several reasons that I wanted to do the film and give focus to her. And it's when the X-Men films came out, when the, the very first X-Men films came out, I was excited to find out that Storm's character was going to be part of the ensemble. Yeah. And then, you know, I won't even, it's not even worth going into how a lot of us felt when we saw how she was represented. But... The way that she's used as kind of a background character and, and like, you know, the token pretty black girl in the background is just infuriating for so many reasons, as if she doesn't have a wildly interesting backstory, you know, and even Storm without her powers that she, you know, that she can kick ass with her hands, that she was carrying a switchblade and that she looked like that, you know, like, come on, where's that movie? I wonder. Absolutely. It was so heartbreaking. <laughs> and I tried not to disrespect Holly Berry at all. Because at the end of the day, you know, you try to support your fellow black actors and such. Right. And it didn't have anything to do. Well, it didn't have. It, it was the story that she was given to work with. Right. And, you know, if the directors and people say like, oh, you know, it should have been Angela Bassett or it should have been Grace Jones. And yeah, those you know, two choices would have been amazing. I've been pulling for Angela Bassett ever since I saw like the Tina Turner movie as a kid. Like, right. the, it, and everybody, everybody would love that. But then I just wonder, like, she would have looked awesome, but it would have still been the same script. I mean, yeah. Maybe a different actor, things differently. But she still ultimately is a background character who you know, was frightened when she saw a guy melt and turn into water. You know, I'm like, this woman can, like, use a tsunami to destroy a town. Why is she scared of water right now? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, anyway, so that left left me a little bit frustrated. I was glad to see, you know, there's going to be something other than, like, Batman and Superman and Spider-Man. Like, you've got an ensemble of these weird mismatched misfit superheroes that kind of don't want to be there some of them and you know and so it's a really awesome idea but it still ends up focusing on you know the white male leads which is just typical and and it's like the the female characters that were there storm in particular i mean she was just she was background fluff you know and even watching days of future past like i'm just you know she, she was so she if she was not there it wouldn't have changed the story. Like she's never really been part of the story, you know? And, and I always wonder like, why are they like calling on her last? Like, you know, the Sentinels are coming or whatever the issue is. She can open the sky and, and yeah, and that's actually up. something I never thought of. <laughs> <laughs> of. <laughs> like, um, which one was it? Was it the second X-Men movie? Or was it the third where they're flying the Blackbird and she creates all of like the cyclones to destroy the other, uh, the planes. Yeah. So you, she can pretty much, um, what is the, the word? There's a code for it. I know in the comics, I called it like Omega level mutants. Like there's certain yeah, yeah. characters who their powers are almost so unbelievable. Yeah, they, they're unbelievable. And Storm, I always thought was one of those characters because, she is. and 
she shows up in Days of Future Past. I think she maybe attacked two Sentinels, and next you know she's getting killed off. And I'm yeah. like, no, wait, what happened? Like that, they could have redeemed about ten years worth of indignity <laughs> done to Storm by having this one great scene where she just decimates Sentinels. But nope, yeah, no, yeah, she could have like blown up the whole area. I mean, there, you know, and. And, and, of course, like, you can do that with any superhero. Like, why didn't he just... And, of course, the movie would be much shorter. You know, you want there to be drama and tension, but it's like they don't use her at all. Like, she's a school teacher, and occasionally she shocks people. And that's not... <laughs> not, not, good, not good enough for me. No. So, yeah. So, anyway, that, that was... was disappointing and and just like years go by and there's all these comic book movies coming out and all these superhero movies coming out all these action films coming out and i love all of that stuff and i love sci-fi and i love fantasy and 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 all of that but i just was never seeing myself represented right. and you know love batman as much as as the next guy but at like 15 batman movies later it's like is there anybody else we can talk about you know like is there- <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else oh okay now 15 thor movies and thor's another one by the way speaking of lightning that just like as part of the avengers i don't want to sidetrack too much but you know it's like why does he only use the hammer and the opening the sky to like do a, a fancy like wwe exit at the end like why didn't he do that along anyway <laughs> know, let me get <laughs> no you're you know what it is someone's probably asking the questions and while i i love the character you think about it if the, Unfortunately, it's still a movie because if the heroes use their powers as you expect yeah. them to, pretty much there would be one flash on the screen and then it had to roll credits because like, okay, there's nothing left to do. <laughs> no, but then you know what that does though, which is why, and we'll, we'll this will bring us back, which is why it's interesting to tell a story about Storm without powers, first of all. But what it does when you have someone like Thor or whoever, that's why I think people are so fascinated with Batman because he doesn't have powers, he has gadgets. So what happens when you're trying to tell a story that lasts two hours or an hour and a half and without it just being like, boom, I win, you have to end up being creative. You have to stop telling the same story over and over yes. and over. Like, And then aliens come through a hole in the sky and then the ensemble gets together and then there's, you know, like you just have to get creative with it. Something has to happen to take that character's power away or to compromise them or the adversaries have to be as powerful as they are. You know what I mean? Like you just have to switch it up, but don't, you know, the idea that like, like, like in the Avengers and like in the, a lot of the X-Men movies that they're just kind of standing back to back in a circle, all doing Taekwondo when, you know, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) that's cool, but isn't Thor's a God and storm can, you know, anyway, I'm, I'm way sorry. Don't worry about it. I don't know. It's, because, again, these are things that I always think to myself, and it's almost refreshing to hear someone else say it. And, again, as a fan, it's not like, you know, you're not bashing it, you're not hating necessarily, but I guess there's this, that weird part of, like, the logic in your brain and going, wait a minute. So this does this does relate to um, the story that I wrote, Rain, where, um, again, it's – so it's an original story, but it does refer to um, the era of Storm where she had no powers. And – I haven't really told a lot about what the actual story of Rain is because one of the things that I enjoy when I'm watching a film, I like to be able to discover it as it's happening. You know, like so many trailers now basically give you the entire story. Right. They give you all the lines, they give you all the happy endings, like all of it's there so that you'll go see it. But I like to watch a movie and figure out what's happening as I'm watching it. So I haven't told too much about what Rain is about, except that except that you know she it's during a time where she's powerless but in the movie you understand why 
and then, you know, kind of how she deals with it and maybe things change. And like, I just did the trailer thing where I gave it all away. <laughs> no, but again, you really didn't like, you know, it teases it, but it doesn't necessarily, I don't really know plot details, but I figured, right. well, just kind of cherry picking the information as you uh, provided it, seeing as how she is powerless and I'd imagine this is still an action film. So I can only imagine this is going to be a very physical film. It is. It's actually, it is, it's physical, but what was important to the directors, Zane in particular, so I had my story, and I did the first Kickstarter, and I got together with this group of filmmakers, with Zane Rutledge, who's my director, and then he has a group of people that he works with, so I ended up with this this like legit production team that just elevated the whole thing to a much higher level than I had ever planned. Like originally it was just going to be this kind of project like, oh, I'm going to dress up and tell this story and I know some photographers and we'll figure out how to cut it together. Then I did the Kickstarter, found some people that wanted to be involved and it just grew into an actual film. And so, you know, like there were auditions for casting when I thought I was just going to throw my friends into it. You know, there's... There was, you know, the fight scene choreographer and, and, you know, green screen and all of the stuff that I never in a million years would have thought would have been involved. But uh, one of the things that was important to Zane, who's the director, they also did some script revisions, which was very hard. But uh, we talked about how, you know, like he didn't want her to just be a badass the whole way through. Kind of like what I was saying before and what's already in the story is that in order to relate to someone that has all of this power, the way that we relate to them as people and the reason that we love them, like I was saying with Batman, is when they're struggling. And so one of the things that the film has a lot of as well, there is a lot of action, but there's also a lot of uh, struggle. There's a lot of heart, I guess. It's, it's very um, kind of emotional. It's, it's very dark. And then like about halfway through and, and towards the end, she starts to kick ass. But the first part of it, and in fact... You know, because if you've seen some of the different images that I've released from the film, so what was confused a lot of people because, you know, like they, they saw the original images, you know, they're like, oh, I thought this was about Mohawk Storm. And you see some stills where it's Storm with, with her full head of long hair. And so there will be a place in the film, this is another little giveaway, where you see that transition. Like you're going to see the haircut, which is pretty exciting. I mean, it's, and again, this is different from how it happens in the original books, like in the, in the original story, she had gone away and was hanging out and, you know, with Yukio in, in Japan and just kind of showed up to a wedding with this haircut that upset everybody. <laughs> Especially <And> Kitty <laughs> Pride. I remember that issue very well where she thought that she had like completely just portrayed her because she showed up and like, this isn't the storm I admired. <laughs> yes. And she does the, what have you done? And runs away screaming. <laughs> but, um, and so that doesn't happen in rain and rain. It's, it's, it's different. The story that I've written is, is original. It borrows from stories that people are familiar with. There's a lot of Easter eggs. There's a lot of references. There's a couple lines that I borrowed directly out of the books, but it is an original story. But I think it's still the character, the way that people will recognize her and be able to relate to her. You know, it's just she's kind of put into a situation that's entirely made up. <laughs> and yeah, and there's kind of a twist thing at the end that's going to make some people go, what? But but it's cool. It is cool. Some people, I mean, obviously you can't please everybody. Some people are going to be weirded out. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm just exploding with excitement. It's like 
it, I keep saying this. It's like being in labor with a baby for like a year and a half. Like, <laughs> just I just want to get it out. I just want to get it out. You know. I'm so glad that someone is finally approaching this because the current climate, and especially with comics in the industry, that conversation has come up again about representation in terms of both women and especially people of color. Right. The one thing that I know that argument always comes up, and unfortunately the negative side of that is some people feel that they can't relate to those characters. But what's great about Storm is, even if you're not necessarily black or a female, but especially if you are well, either of those, like Storm is just one of those so well-rounded characters. She comes from right. someone who, unfortunately, as a child, had a very tragic upbringing. Being orphaned, you know, being a thief and homeless, to eventually becoming like a goddess in Africa. Like, I mean, she pretty much has this amazing story. Unlike some characters where their backstory, you know, they're giving like this tragic backstory, but nothing, it never really goes anywhere. But her, it completely shapes her personality because she can be the kind, nurturing, almost mother type figure for certain characters like Kitty Pride, or she can be this right. absolute cutthroat, you know, ruthless woman, especially when right. you see her when she like fights Callisto's and ends up ruling the Morlocks. And there's very few things that I don't, I think people can't take away from Storm as a character. Yeah, and the, the way that I describe it too, that's interesting that you would bring up how she's got all these different kind of facets. So a lot of people, a lot of Storm fans, and she does have, you know, like people have their comic book heroes the way that people have like their favorite musician or their favorite like hip hop artist or band, you know, like you've got like, that's your character. You don't like people to mess with it. You, but with Storm, it's kind of like, like all of her different incarnations are like different albums. Like if you only like Led Zeppelin, like for these certain two albums or, you know what I mean? And like for me, Storm for a long time as uh, uh, in the books, like as a kid growing up, I knew she was there and I was happy about it, but she never really grabbed my attention because of the way that she was drawn. The classic Storm, which most people love, and, and she's she's gorgeous, you know, with the cape and the long flowing hair and the crown and that, like, weird lingerie kind of bathing suit thing that she wore <laughs> and the, and the thigh-high boots. I never really got into that because, to me, that's just more typical, you know, this is what is done with female superheroes. Meanwhile, even all of the rest of the female X-Men are fully dressed, you know, like they have... damn, I didn't even think about it until you just said it just now. Yeah, I mean, other than, you know, like Mystique, of course, or whatever, but everybody else has like a jumpsuit and whatever. And Storm is is beautiful and, and sexy and all of that. And I get the role of that in comic books, but it's it wasn't for me. It's drawn for dudes. It wasn't drawn to make me feel empowered. It was just like, here's a sexy lady that can fly. And, you know, so I didn't pay any attention to her until I saw her with the mohawk and the leather because... If you've got on high heel boots and a push up bra, you're not kicking any amount of ass. I mean, <laughs> like you might be, I don't know, there's some skill. Like I know some people who can like rock boots hardcore. Absolutely, absolutely. But I'm just I'm just <laughs> thinking, you know, like as a martial artist, I I'm thinking like if I'm going to go out or if I'm going to be in a dangerous situation, especially if I know I'm going into battle. Like, not just I was out one night and I had to, like, you know, break up a fight in a bar. Then maybe you've got on your, your bustier and your high heel boots. But if you're going into battle, why are you changing into your high heel <laughs> boots? What is that? And unfortunately, most times I've seen fights, the shoes are usually the first thing to come off. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. When women are going to fight, the jewelry and the shoes go away. And so, <laughs> like, and she's got her crown 
and she's got her cape and she's got her high heels. Anyway, so stuff like that. And I know whatever it's fantasy and, and it's, and the cape is there so that you understand that she's flying and I, I get it, but I'm just saying that like aesthetically I was not pulled in until I saw Mohawk storm, which at the time, not only did you not see another like female character that looked like that, or another black character that looked like that. You didn't, there was nothing. There was nobody. There were no superheroes that looked like that. So especially to put all of that together, to have like a, a, a chick superhero with a mohawk and, and like, you know, leather pants on, you know, now she looked like she was going to get in some fights. That is a woman that I would be afraid of and, or want to be my bodyguard. (laughs) And also another thing that happened with the mohawk is that for me, it made her look blacker. The way that she was drawn with the long hair before, again, it was just kind of a carbon copy of other superheroes. She could have been any shade. They just happened to dent her with the brown ink, you know, like the way that her face was drawn. And, and, you know, she had white hair and blue eyes. Didn't really give me much like, oh, there's another black woman with the mohawk standing straight up. To me, that looked like a headdress. And now the white hair and blue eyes looked like a mutation and not like something european you know what i mean like these were just like very specific details that made me look at that character and just be fascinated and fall in love and um and so years and decades later to have never seen her brought to life the mohawk had never come back these were just things that kind of stayed in my brain when around the time that i was writing the film And at the time that the film ended up coming together, it happened to be at this time in my life where I was dealing with a tragedy and kind of going through my own transformation. And I had a mohawk. So it just, I mean, it wasn't like I had to shave my head for the film. It was just, I was just kind of becoming (laughs) her anyway. You know, I was reading Life, Death. I know it probably sounds so cliche to some comic book fans, but I think that really is the quintessential storm story. It is, and I I love that book so much. Like again, if if this were a band we were talking about, and I think it's it's so similar, that would be my favorite album. You know, like I can listen to that album over and over and over, even if I don't know much about the other albums. Like that story, and just the whole that whole transformation that she goes through where she goes from the the way that it opens that drawing on the first page where she's curled up in bed feeling sorry for herself and you know and the way that it's drawn she's upside down but it's also kind of a fetal position thing and she's just like naked and, and depressed and that's a horrible way to see a superhero but the mohawk is there and somehow i don't know there's just something about that drawing on the first page that uh very Windsor Smith drawing that just, it's just my, one of my favorite pieces of art. And then the caption at the top is once upon a time, there was a woman who could fly and, and, you know, cut to this image of her just looking pathetic and broken. And it's just such a beautiful way to start any story. And that, by the way, um, there's, there's heavy Easter eggs, a lot of life, death, very heavily inspired rain. Um, there's in fact, if you look on the, uh, Facebook page. The cover photo right now is that life death image. We recreated, there's a, a scene in a motel where we very painstakingly recreated that shot. And I knew that I wanted to have it in there somehow. Like I didn't know how that would work with cameras and all that. I mean, we ended up having to use a crane so we could get the overhead. And my director, Zane, who's also a big comic book nerd, fortunately, he brought, the day that we were shooting that scene, he brought in his copy of Life, life Death. 
and sat in front of me and like laying in the bed and he sat in front of me like a painter and literally like adjusted the sheets and my hands and my fingers so that I would look as close to that image as possible. So that's one of the, the one of the moments in the film that that gives me chills because it's it's that page brought to life. The attention to detail, like I'm already excited for this because and there's that constant argument that I, I hear a lot, and especially going into you know going back to superhero movies or just comic book movies in general, how there's that back and forth of okay, approaching it from a fan's perspective and approaching it from just a standard filmmaking perspective. And it's great to see that that bait doesn't always necessarily have to be mutually exclusive. Like, you can be a fan, but also kind of know how things work. So, because, you know, unfortunately, some people feel like being too much of a fan kind of clouds your judgment on things. But I'm glad to hear that they, they kind of come together in this oh, project. Yeah. And a lot of people have been asking me about that. In fact, I just did a, an interview um, yesterday with some people who were just talking about fan films in general. And they asked if I thought that the line between with fan films, with so many people having access to the resources, you know, everybody's got the internet, everybody's got, you know, like you can film a a movie on your iPhone at this point, you know? And they asked if I thought that the line between fans and filmmakers was blurring. And to me, at least the reasons that I've, ever been an artist, I feel like in order to make a piece of art, you have to be a fan of whatever it is you're making. My I, Film is new for me. I was originally a musician. I played in, in rock bands in New York City for a long time. And the reason I started playing music is because I loved music. You know, like I was such a fan of music, but the kind of music that I wanted to hear wasn't there. So I had to make it myself, you know, or like if there's a blank spot on the wall, you know, I love color. And so I'm a fan of that. And so I need to create it. And so I think in order to create anything well you kind of have to be a fan of it and i think that's that's the good thing and the difference between independent smaller films and huge budget hollywood films is obviously when you're getting into the bigger budgets maybe the people making the films aren't necessarily fans of that specific genre yeah or that specific story or whatever but i'm thinking like how can anybody making a superhero movie not be having a blast. Of course they're a fan of that. Of course they love what they're doing. Maybe they don't have the characters memorized and all, you know, 100% down the way that a super fan would want them to. But, you know what I mean? Like, there's, as any kind of artist, there's always a love for what you're doing. And with fan films, that's brought even closer to home. Like, this story came directly out of my heart and it didn't have to go through any filters of, like, well, our Coca-Cola sponsor wants it to be like this. And then we've got to, <laughs> we've got to, have, to we have to have a sexy blonde lead over here. You know, like, this is just me. This is just straight out of my heart. This is my baby. And it's unfiltered, and which is great. And it's also terrifying because, you know, like you said, there's a lot of fans that are very picky and, <laughs> you know, as personal as it is to me, it's not going to be good enough for some people. It won't. I mean, you physically, it's that's totally impossible to accomplish that. I think that in the same way that it surprised me when people just saw an image of what I wanted to do and, and every, you know, all of these people got together for two different Kickstarters and backed it and supported it and were like, yes, please do this. Not just like, oh, that's awesome that you're doing it, but please do it. Please do this. We need this to happen. You know, and the interest in this film, it's a, it doesn't, the film doesn't exist yet, but I'm, you know, I've done all of these interviews about it and it's, you know, it's just strange to me how excited people are about this character, about this version of this character and about the idea that, um, that it's a personal, independent, you know, I guess more 
maybe more real version of her. And we're coming at this point now, because I, I seen the this seems to come up a lot normally just in my everyday life where this stuff is great. And like I said, there's that, you said it yourself, um, you're not seeing or hearing the things that you want to, so then you go and create it yourself. And that general love of just what you do is what separates this from maybe a larger studio project. And I'm not necessarily accusing anybody, but there's there's not all those hoops you have to jump through. To tell you the truth, as far as the people who aren't into it, ah, so be it. And unfortunately, if you know anything about the internet, there's there's always that group who are just, they're angry about everything. Yeah, 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 of course. So one thing I must ask you, though, because you are a martial artist, so uh, what's your principle? The dojo that I go to, it's a very unique thing. We do, um, it's mixed martial arts. And when I tell people that, people think of MMA, which is part of it. So basically, our sensei is, has like five different kinds of black belts and kind of created his own style using the most practical elements of everything that he's learned. So we end up with basically an MMA dojo, which those two things don't normally go together, but we've got like the traditional elements, like we have a sensei and we have a dojo and we have a belt system and uniforms. Um, but we're doing, instead of, you know, doing all of spending the time on like so much of the classical stuff and, and, and doing all the kata and the forms all of the time, we learn a lot of self-defense. We do a lot of ground fighting as well as striking. And it's this really well-rounded kind of, um, it, it's, it's not cage fighting. We're not like fighting cages and punching each other in the face as hard as we can, but it is, <laughs> it's literally a mix of martial arts. And so like on paper, it's it's mixed martial arts, but it, I always have to give the full disclaimer because people are like, oh, so you fight in cages? And, and while I would like to at some point, just to check that out, that's not what we are doing. Like, it's more, um, like, there are a lot of different martial arts styles, but once you get one-on-one -on -one with an opponent, they all kind of break down and become Muay Thai. You know, it all becomes kickboxing. And then the higher belts can put it together. Like we do ground fighting and we do striking and higher belts can put it together and do striking to ground where you can take somebody down and keep fighting, which is awesome. I've been doing that for about three and a half years now. And, and I just uh, got my red belt. Yeah, it's if, yeah, you'll you'll have to, to, to switch subjects on me because I can give you a full hour just on how much I love doing martial arts. No, I would love to hear it because that's something that I'm always interested in. And I guess I don't know enough of myself. I mean, of course, you see martial arts, like I said, through MMA or maybe, you know, the occasional film. But I don't really know a whole lot about it. So please, I mean, school me on this. <laughs> well, I mean, what, how it relates to this is that the uh, like I mentioned when I was reading Life Death at this kind of transformative time in my life, I, there was a major tragedy that happened and I spent a lot of time like that first page of life death just totally destroyed and depressed and the thing that helped to pull me out of it was discovering martial arts like a lot of people were saying I, sh I needed therapy and I needed you know whatever and I was like you know I don't really need to talk about this I know what happened I need to kick shit and uh, you know <laughs> like I like that on a daily basis um and so I found this uh, dojo, Elite Martial Arts, here in Austin. And at the time, I was completely out of shape. I was totally depressed. I had no history with fitness. I had no history as anything athletic. You know, I'd always been like a musician and a geek and, you know, 
like jogging that's for jerks you know like i never had any interest any experience with with any of that and then but somewhere in the back of my head there was this kind of like maybe one day in another lifetime i'll, I'll study martial arts and so i ended up finding this dojo and it was i fell in love with it immediately and and it was through studying martial arts and through devoting myself entirely to martial arts that I basically survived that time of my life. And so that relates to the story because over like the first year of taking martial arts, I went through a transformation emotionally. I went through a transformation physically. I was a lot stronger in both ways. And that was kind of the story that I wrote and that's kind of how it related to life death, you know, like this whole, like going from being broken down to finding strength and kicking ass, you know, all of that relates directly to the power that I found in my martial arts classes. So it does relate directly to the story of rain. And I told uh, the directors immediately, I was like, there, there will be fighting in this film. There absolutely <laughs> fighting that's the whole reason i wrote this film is because i need to kick ass on film yes yeah, so i mean it, that it's definitely connected i mean for me at this point in my life everything is connected to my martial arts but especially this so yeah there's a couple really good fight scenes and and rain and while it's not it was also important that it didn't get too martial artsy in the film because it's always funny to me when you know like people are just kind of walking down the street in a movie and then all of a sudden everybody's a taekwondo black belt as someone who spent like most of last week in watching martial arts films i just that cracks me up because i just thought about that too it's so funny yeah i mean and even like in regular movies or or tv shows like the kind of kicks and stuff that people just will pull out in a bar scene it's like really are you sure (laughs) um, and you know again it's fantasy and all that but with with what we did i mean there was some of that was used but it's more it's it's definitely it's more of kind of like a an actual what an actual street fight would be like one thing that was interesting was um you know i spent all this time learning how to fight but then learning how to fight on film totally different animal like i basically had to learn how to not hit people <laughs> <laughs> so somewhere there's probably like a blooper reel of people like getting like their teeth knocked out yeah. <laughs> almost almost like the stunt guys that we're using kept looking at me like hey 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 you're aiming for my face and i'm like but it, isn't that what i'm supposed to do <laughs> <laughs> it's like no cameras over there do not swing at my face like you know fortunately they're stunt guys and they know how to get out of the way but i had to be reminded several times <laughs> that we're not actually fighting and so that was tricky it was hard to like you know have the emotion and do all of that and and but then not not hit anything at all so that way they just start hiring like random people like look they're not trained <laughs> stuntmen but they're not going to be upset if you hit them right. like so you mentioned earlier, because in addition to being a, a comic book geek, I am also a very big music fan. You said that you're a musician for a very long time. Yes. Were you in a band at a time, or were you just uh, were a solo performer? I had bands from the time that I was uh, 17 or 18 years old in Dallas, and then I moved to New York. So that was the reason I moved to New York when I was 21, was that that was the plan, was that I was going to grow up and become a rock star. So I moved to New York City. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the film Afropunk. No, unfortunately I haven't seen it. I've heard a lot about it, though. Yeah, Afropunk, now what people know about it, like they know about the festival and the... And all yes, the that's, that's how I know about it. Right. Originally it was a guy named James Spooner did this film. It was just a documentary about this, you know, 
kind of blossoming little underground scene of of people across the country, kind of like what we're talking about now with like the um, you know comic book fans who aren't represented, and and you know like these black characters that are kind of the tokens here and there, and you know. It was like that, but with rock music and with punk music, you know, that there were these musicians and these bands and even fans that were used to being kind of the only one at the show or the only one on the bill. And anyway, so I ended up being in that film. This was 2002. This film came out. Okay. And um, but yeah, so when I was in New York City, I was in a band. It was originally my just my name, Maya, but then band became mother goddess which is one of the meanings of my name and yeah i play guitar and sing and uh fronted a rock band for a long time opened for some cool people played all over new york city then life happened things got in the way and things kind of fell apart personally and uh yeah and so Uh i ended up and then i ended up having to leave new york because i was sick and so yeah that's a that that in itself is a whole other three-part podcast that we won't get into no worries, but I was actually going to ask you, um, are you going to be performing any of the, the music for the film? I thought about it. What I did in place of that, because music is so important to me, and I do still think of everything in terms of music, like you keep hearing me referring to comic books as albums and stuff like that. One of my best friends is a guy named Luke Mon Brown, and he was the front man for a band called Funk Face in New York, still is. And he's also a DJ and he's also an MC and he's also happens to do sound mixing and scoring for films. And he's also a big nerd. And so, you know what I mean? So, like, it's like perfect storm, pun intended, of. <laughs> nice. And, and Luke is someone who I consider him to be like, you know, my brother. Like, if anyone else was going to be responsible for the, for the music in this film, it needed to be somebody who knew me who knew the character and who was also badass at what they do. And so this, this guy, Luke, it was one of the last things that we were waiting for. And he just recently sent us the score and Adrian, it is like chills. I'd seen, you know, the edit over and over and over and over and over again, seeing it with the music, with the right music, with Luke's music. I cry over my own film now. And I've seen this thing, you know, for two years, you know, and, um, (laughs) And so there was a piece that he wrote at the very end, like over the ending credits, there's this kind of rock jam that happens. You know, it's all like, you know, symphony and scoring and and all this, you know, big dramatic stuff. But then the closing credits, there's this kind of like rock jam that happens that for a second I thought I was going to write lyrics to it and make it into an actual theme song. But I don't know if I I just want to get it done at this point. But yeah, so the music in the film was something that was very important to me. And as much as, you know, like the guys who are the production crew kind of wanted to work with people that they know and, and, you know, like even the actors that were brought in. Um, But this I had to fight for. I was like, music, music has got, I've got to keep my hands on music, you know? And so, yeah, Luke Mon Brown from New York city did the music and, and that's as close to me doing the music as it could get, except that Luke absolutely rocked it. But no, you're not going to hear any of my like old band stuff or anything in the film. Although I had an idea for a second part of the film where, um, I don't even know. I mean, who knows if it'll ever happen, but I did have an idea for if there, if there's ever a part two of the film, I would, I personally would love to see storm in a band at some point. And so that's like, if part two ever happens, that might, come up <laughs> i would back that so much because i know um 
actually, I think there was another character. Was it Black Canary? I think in DC there was something with that. Where I think in one of the iterations, like she was in the band. So I'm like, screw it. Like that'd be cool to really see that. Yeah, yeah. Like live action on stage, like screaming into a mic with the mohawk. Hell yeah. Okay, this needs to happen now. Either that, or, <laughs> or better yet, do like a soundtrack to Rain, but it's like performed by Storm herself. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's what I was thinking. You know, like with some of the music that he did, I, I immediately because I had this kind of second story in my brain and you know like some of the other images and then when I heard Luke's music I was like oh man because believe it or not like after going through this experience after making the film you know making it was was a lot of fun um the weight is killing me like the whole not having any of it in my hands and because we don't have enough of a budget to pay anybody for their time now it's all like it's an indefinite wait. I have no idea how long the wait will be, and that part makes me insane. Like I didn't, I, you know, it's not even like I shaved my hair into a mohawk anymore. I'm just pulling it out, but <laughs> and like to the point that I couldn't imagine going through this again. And so there is a second part written to the story, and it would be badass and awesome. But one of the things about doing a fan film is that you can't profit off of it. And so it ends up being an expense, even with the Kickstarter, it ended up being an expense. Like there was a lot of days that I couldn't work. There's a lot of things that I had to get myself. Like I paid for my own costume stuff and, and you know, on and on. And so like a lot of people that do high budget fan films are Hollywood guys that just have all of those resources on hand already and they don't have anything to lose, you know. Right, kind of like the guy that just did um earlier this year Power um the, the Power Rangers, yes. Yeah, like those are people that can do that kind of thing for fun and bless their hearts. That must be awesome. Like, you know, you go and you do your real gigs and then you happen to be friends with, you know, all these badass actors and you can and you can just do that for fun. And while this was fun, it was, you know, it was a pain and it was an expense. And it was even collecting that money, even doing the Kickstarter. I did that all on my own. And that's hard. You know, getting strangers to give you $20,000 sounds awesome. Would not wish it on my worst enemy. You know, <laughs> like it was just nonstop. <laughs> there was a lot of not sleeping, you know, to get the overseas crowd involved. But um, yeah. And so the second thing that I've written is a lot bigger. It's a lot longer and a lot bigger. There's a lot more stuff in it. And knowing what I know now about what has to go into it and how much money would have to go into it, it would take, I don't know how expensive it would be, but it would be very expensive. And, and at this point, I would love to be able to put that kind of energy into an original character. I, I, would, I would love to be able to do both. I would love to win the lottery between here and there and just be able to do both, you know. But... Um, but yeah, I mean, like the the work that went into making this film happen, and that's still going into it, is uh, yeah, it's hard to imagine doing it again, <laughs> doing it again for something that we can't make a profit off of. Right. Well, that was actually going to be my next question. Um, was there ever any interest in then? I mean, I'm not saying you know you should never do Storm necessarily, but was there ever any inspiration to maybe do like I guess other film work or other characters of your own that you could maybe have like that same sort of spirit of Storm? Oh yeah. But definitely something more, I guess, of a 
Oh, see, that, I shouldn't say that. Well, I was going to say more personal, but I mean, I'm more of an original character, oh, I should yeah, say. Absolutely. And that's, that's what I'm saying is that, you know, like it, this has been fun and it was important to do this. And that's what everybody responded to because people already know Storm and, and all of that. But what I would love, I mean, and part of the reason that people respond so strongly to her is that for a lot of people, and it's changing now, but for a lot of people, you know, like ask average Joe on the street, name a black female superhero and they can't do it. You know what I mean? Or name a black action hero and they cannot do that. You know, like an average person, unless you're a geek and you're into it and you study these things, you can't do it. Anybody can, anybody can tell you about Spider-Man or Superman or, or Vin Diesel or the rock or, you know, like you can name dudes who are leads. You can name every, you know, but you can't come up with a black woman action hero, you know, like, I mean, you can, they're, they're there, but that's the reason that one of the reasons that people responded so strongly to the idea of rain, even people who aren't necessarily storm fans is just like, you know, knowing people who know me and people that know that I'm into martial arts and people that saw the image of this character with, you know, a mohawk and leather and a switchblade. They're like, you know, like I said, people were like, I don't know what that is. But it looks badass, so yes, take my money, you know? <laughs> and so that's what people are looking for. Like, people want to see, people will always love action, like hero movies, whether it's action heroes or superheroes or whatever, because we want to live through those. And so, you know, like I was saying before, when the only heroes you ever see are Tom Cruise and Superman and, and you know, Matt Damon and like the same kind of person every time that's fine for that audience and that's fine for me too sometimes but you know when you throw something else into the mix and not even just you know because people talk about there's the whole issue of like diversity for diversity's sake and all that and it's like you know it's not even like about that for its own self but it's just you know it's just awesome it's just more awesome it's something else it's like you know vanilla ice cream is great but if you've been eating vanilla ice cream all your life and then somebody hands you chocolate it's gonna blow your mind (laughs) (laughs) so so why not mix it up and if you don't like it leave it on the shelf somebody wants that somebody else wants to see that character one of the things that i have um on my mind like so i'm a huge uh mad max fan also and I was nef- not, wasn't necessarily into the original Mad Maxes. I loved uh, Thunderdome. This that was another thing. Like I didn't with Tina much, Turner. I didn't pay much attention until I saw <laughs> Tina Turner. And even at the time, I was just like, oh, "What in the world? Who is this?" Like you know, she was like this queen villain hero, like awesome chainmail gown wearing post-apocalyptic and she just looked awesome like i'd never seen anything like that before she was awesome and i actually was thinking about it um i was watching that movie a couple of years ago and thinking about it like if they had done an x movie set in the 80s oh she could have totally rocked in a storm oh yeah and um i think if it was in the 80s though that, that would have had to be uh grace jones oh yeah i would that'd yeah, probably yeah. be it <laughs> damn i was like okay never mind <laughs> yeah but yeah, so like that's another character that I would be interested like now with the with Fury Road being out and all that. That's another character that has kind of popped up in my head like I would really love to see Auntie Entity fleshed out, you know. So that's another like if I had a million dollars that I didn't need and you know, would I do a film about her? I think so. I think I would, you know, just motorcycles and explosions and <laughs> 
Well, I was going to say, you're out in Texas. I don't know if there's like much in the way of desert out there to kind of just film like these really great post-apocalyptic type settings. That'd be kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that, that that's a, a whole separate thing. But, but yeah, so to answer your question, I mean, there's definitely other stuff that I've written. I mean, I'm a writer. I mean, not professionally or anything, but I love to write. I love to tell stories. And now that I have, and I thought that the film thing was just going to be kind of a one-off, like, oh, this will be a fun project and then I'll get over it. But the first day I set foot on set of that film, I was just like, you know, a junkie for it. I was like, yeah, this is, this is something I'm going to have to be doing now. I've also done one other film since then was over the summer I was cast in a film called No Chance where the guy, this guy, Matt Poitras, who was our prop master on Rain, he's also a filmmaker on his own, he did this kind of 80s action Arnold Schwarzenegger-style comedy, and I was cast in that as a bad guy. So I got to, you know, like, wear a grenade bandolier and shoot a machine gun and, and all that stuff. So that was fun. And so I definitely am kind of leaning into the whole action blowing up stuff and kicking people thing. <laughs> oh, I'm so about that. So please take my money. <laughs> I know you can't necessarily turn a profit and it's like, okay, maybe it wasn't around for the Kickstarter, but um, if you do manage to sell any piece of it, I'm so all about that. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think a lot of people are interested in that. And so it's just a matter of having the right people behind it and like people who know how to put the production together the right way. And like with rain, like even just having the right image, I had one photo of myself and character that my husband Adam took and it just, you know, set off shockwaves where people were like, what is that? And I feel like that could be done even with an original character, like just kind of an iconic look and, that was something else that I wanted to capitalize on was just that at that time, that was when I had been getting really into the martial arts for long enough. And I started doing obstacle course racing and doing all of this stuff. And my body just kind of got rock hard in this way that had never happened before. So all of my shirts got cut in half. I was like, as long as I have these abs, the world will see them. And so, <laughs> so can somebody get this on film? Because I don't know how long this is going to last. So that was part of it too. I mean, it was a total vanity thing, but yeah, like having that like action hero just attitude people love to see it and it was fun to do and so you know gives me a reason to keep doing way too many exercises and skipping way too many desserts so you know <laughs> <laughs> hey no worries because again it all feeds into itself and it all it all has a purpose so i'm all i'm definitely for that maya this has been so much fun and i i'm so glad you took time out to chat with me because I, and now, of course, I'm a, now I'm another one who's like, I need to see this as soon as possible. <laughs> but I know it's taking its time. And again, that time will be well worth the wait, I, I feel. I do, too. And like I'm saying, you know, it's hopefully going to be seen. My birthday is next month, so I have this fantasy in my head that they're going to just pull it together <laughs> somehow. <laughs> and it'll be like, surprise, we're finished. But I thought that last year on my birthday, too. So I'm trying to, <laughs> to get over that. Um but yeah, like I said, we're really close. The score is there, and it's just a matter of finishing out visual effects and, and color correction and a bunch of film stuff that I don't have any idea about. But yeah, there's a lot of visual effects, which is a good sign for a film like this. So that's that's part of what's what's taking a while. But yeah, it's going to definitely be worth the wait. Before we go, though, please, please, please tell everybody 
where they can find out more about this project and even you. Uh, so please share your information as far as where people can check out this project and other stuff. Oh, sure. Um, I As soon as I ever have any kind of updates or, or stills or images, I always share on the Facebook page, which um, the title of the film is Rain, but if you look up Rain, a fan film about Storm on Facebook, it should come up. And I share all the time on that page if I have any information, even just other stuff. Like in the meantime that I haven't had information, I shared. There's a really cool Black Panther fan film that just came out that, you know, I share stuff like that on there, too. And then also on Twitter, at Maya Sakura, M-A-Y-A-S-O-K-O-R-A. And, uh, yeah, I share all the stuff on there, too. And those are the two best ways to track me down. I kind of realized, I think the rain might have slowed down. And go figure what happened just as the, the podcast ends. Like, all right, you know what? I know you're a fan of Storm, but at some point, I think <laughs> art is starting to imitate life just a little bit too much. Yeah, well, you know, when I get excited, the skies go a little bit crazy. So. <laughs> exactly, because with Storm, you know, the, the first person to ever make it rain. So there you, go. Well, <laughs> there you have it. Oh, man, I had to throw that corny joke in. And... <laughs> if that were true... If I, like, there was a bunch of storms in May down here in Texas, like, there was all these floods and, like, you know, all this stuff was happening in Austin and people were blaming me for it. And I was like, look, guys, if I actually had that kind of power, the film would be done by now. You know, like, we would have... Well, at that point, you could take that show to road and then fund, like, every (laughs) film you ever wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? You would never be broke. I would never be broke. And I am. And so, no, it's not me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's dark. I'll work on my weather control powers and we'll see. You had followed me like a, a while. I I forgot who it was that shared uh, your page before, but it's like once I heard about it, like I followed. And unfortunately, the time never panned out because I wanted to have you on a show a while ago. But again, it's like better, I guess, late than never. <laughs> yeah, cool. I like to be able to talk about it. Like I said, it's been a while, and so I did a bunch of interviews at first, and then they kind of slowed down. So I get excited and pumped again when I get to talk about it. You know, like the wait sometimes just gets to be kind of depressing, and then get, you know, so it's good for me to be able to talk about it to somebody that's excited about it with me again. <laughs> well, I will cross my fingers and send some up that hopefully this all comes out because again i think people need to see this and in the meantime i'm gonna hope and pray that this uh new storm and excellent apocalypse um <laughs> delivers a ho- uh, hopefully fingers crossed yeah i'm i'm i've learned to uh, whatever i'm gonna say anything <laughs> it's okay i have no horse in this race so it's a, your opinions don't hurt me at all yeah i mean it's just like it seems like just with, I, I don't know, but with so far with all of the X-Men films, you know, like, they're, they're ensembles, and so a bunch of the characters have to fall into the background. I think, by the way it's being talked about now, I think that Storm once again is being thrown into the background. I think they gave her the mohawk kind of as a response to people's interest in that recently, but I think she's still going to be kind of a background character. I know that she's being used as one of the four horsemen so she's a bad wait what yeah yeah she's working wow yeah yeah she's a bad guy so she's like a brainwashed bad guy at least for most of the film and i'm not sure i feel about that i don't know i don't know how the yeah it's it's storm psylocke angel and i forget who else are the four horsemen Hmm. apocalypse why am i forgetting the third the fourth Anyway, so yeah, I mean, she obviously isn't going to be a hero. <laughs> that's heartbreaking. Man, that's heartbreaking. I mean, 
that's uh, I mean that might not be for the whole film, but I mean that's like when you see her. Oh, so they they do like what they did with like Hawkeye and the Avengers, like they're you know they're a bad guy for most of it, then they turn at the last big thing. I'm sure obviously she has to turn at the last, but uh, but sounds to me this is all me projecting and making up stuff. <laughs> okay, it sounds to me sounds to me like she's gonna need to be saved. Oh you know gosh, I mean? no. Like those. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know what? Who do I have to talk to to get the your your film put out? Because uh, on one end, it, it's unfortunate that it, it's come to that, but you could definitely use this movie to, to piggyback off and be like, "Look, we all know you're upset about this new storm going on, but look, you can see the real stuff right here." <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, and again, I'm making that up, but it just seems like if she's going to be one of the bad guys, that means that somebody's going to have to to come and snap her out of it, and or something. You know what I mean? It's, and, and because of like when they do the main interviews with the characters, she's not. Nobody's interviewing Alexandra. Nobody's oh, like wow. talking. She's she's not on the cover of of Entertainment Weekly with with everybody else. You know what I mean? So I don't know. That's me guessing based on what they've done before, based on the fact that it is an ensemble cast, and that's always their excuse for blowing off cool characters. I mean, in one way, like maybe using her as a bad guy ironically maybe then you'll get to see her actually being a badass you know what i mean like instead of just like pew, pew, i have lightning like maybe she'll actually <laughs> get to be <laughs> i don't know i don't know i can't imagine uh when it gets closer to that though i'll definitely have to hit you up and see what you think about the whole thing because now you're my like leading storm correspondent <laughs> Oh God! The storm correspondent. <laughs> it's like st- <laughs> Stormfront. There you go. There, there's an idea for blog Stormfront. <laughs> Stormfront. Yeah. It's like that, and I'll have to do it. It's like when they send the the weather person out to stand in the hurricane yeah. while they're doing. The- <laughs> I'll do that. You'll just get me. I'll be outside in a raincoat. You know, just like just doing like these video journals about the developments of the character. Yes. <laughs> being blown around and being like, I don't know, I'm seeing a lot of bullshit coming this way. (laughs) It's not looking good. I would put on your galoshes right now. Oh, shit. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, I like it. We will see you next issue. Hey guys, Adrian here. I really hope you enjoyed that episode of Adrian Has Issues. Before we go, there's a couple of things I want to let you know. First off, you can catch every episode at my main website, adrianhasissues.com. You can download and stream all the episodes there. Plus, there's also a nifty section full of guest appearances. So not only do you get to hear my voice on my own show, but I also hop in on some other podcasts I enjoy, like Let's Chat with Revlin Friends, BS Excluded, Basically, any guest spot I have, I'll put it right in the site. Also, you can check me out at Twitter, at AdrianHasIssues, Facebook.com slash AdrianHasIssues. I'm on Instagram at AdrianHasIssuesPod. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to email me at AdrianHasIssues at gmail.com. Oh, and before we go, 
I just want to let you know that this podcast is now a member of the Tangent Bound Podcast Network. My show is also joined by many other great shows like Moving the Needle, Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks, Green Up, and many more. One last thing, please, if you also have Stitcher and iTunes, this show is available there. Please feel free to leave a five-star review and a rating. The more ratings and reviews I get, the better opportunities I have for other people to check out the show. So Sharon, Sarah, like, and thanks for your constant support. I couldn't do this without you. And well, that'll do it for this episode. So see you later, guys.